you have not been able thus far through the service to figure out what the point of this morning is, let me tell you. This morning is the first of a three-week series called Jump In and Get Connected. And as you can see on the, uh, on the banners up here and on the big screen, we're going to be engaging in a three-week process in which I want to challenge all of us, including myself, to answer one very simple and yet somewhat complicated question. Who is my church? Who is my church? We're going to talk about that for just a minute this morning and then over the next few weeks. But I want you to be aware of something we're calling connecting point. You're going to learn a lot more about it over the next few weeks. But for now, who is my church? You see, I think it's really important for us to understand the idea of relationship. That's what I loved about the, uh, the ball pit video. I love total, complete strangers jumping into a very unusual and awkward situation. Because at some point, at some level, in some place within them, there was a desire to connect with somebody else. And as I mentioned earlier, that's God within us. That's not unique to just you or just you. And at the same time, it is not exempt from you or from you. Each and every one of us has the desire to connect within ourself because it's God, the creator of relationship. We've all been called to be a part of them. And yet the reality is, I think most of us struggle most of us struggle a lot with this idea of relationship. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about it. And I hope at the end of this, you'll be able to, uh, to see the benefit of it, see the blessing of it. And for those of you that are not connected at some point or at some place within this particular community of faith here at Greenville Oaks, that you'll be willing to, to step out and to jump in and get connected. But back to the question, who is my church? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said this, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and even the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That word church The Greek word is ekklesia. And for those of you that have uh, been reading in the deep and wide books that our church has been going through, I think Andy Stanley does a fabulous job of sort of unpacking this ancient concept of ekklesia, of church, of what Jesus might have been talking about when he pointed to the ground, maybe, as he looked at Peter, as he stood there, and said, I will build my ecclesia. Here's the thing. Jesus was not talking about a building. He was talking about relationships. He wasn't talking about organization. He was talking about gathering. 
You see, that word actually, it, it means to gather, to gather together, to assemble, to assemble together, to be in community, to be in sharing of life with one another. That's what Jesus was trying to establish when he looked at Peter and said, I will build my church. I can just imagine over in the distance, you know, Peter might have seen one of the, one of the synagogues sitting there and kind of looked over and like, oh, okay, we're going to be better than that one? Because I want it to look bigger. I want it to be better. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about creating a movement, a movement of people, a movement of nations, a movement of world coming together, gathering together, bonding together, assembling together with a common. Believing in the Messiah. You see, in the first century, if you had said, hey, we're going to go to church, or there's my church, or where's your church, what is your church doing? Those statements and those questions would mean absolutely nothing. Because they're references to buildings, to places, to locations. And in the first century, what they were talking about was the gathering together of the body, the people, the community, the relationship, the connectedness, the engagement of life and life with one another. That was ecclesia. And over the next few weeks, I want to challenge us with the reality of what we have come to believe Ecclesia is. What we have come to believe church is all about. Because, guys, I don't believe it's this. 2,000 years ago, this is not what I believe that Jesus intended. Now, please hear me saying, there's nothing wrong with church buildings. There's nothing wrong with communities of faith, those that are 100 members and those that are 10,000 members. They're beautiful, wonderful things. I want ours to be bigger. I want ours to be double or triple the size that it is. I want every seat in this room to be filled up. And I want the community of faith down the street to be filled up. And I want the community of, street, the, of faith down the other side of Allen to be filled up. And praise God for the body of Christ being, being glorified and grown. But I don't believe that's ecclesia. And if we keep going down that path, we're going to keep moving, I believe, farther and farther away from what Jesus meant when he looked at Peter and said, I want to build my church. See, it was, never, it was never about a place. It's always been about people. From the moment that Jesus spoke the words, it's never been about a particular location. It's always been about you and I. 
The ecclesia is all over the world. It's not about the numbers. It's about the relationship. It's about the relationship that we have with one another. And if you don't get that concept, then I think that you are completely and totally missing what Jesus Christ has called you to in being a follower of his. It's so much more than just this place. That last part of Matthew 16, when Jesus said, and even the gates of Hades will not overcome it, Peter. And Peter, nothing, nothing is going to break this thing. Not Rome, not war, not devastation, not famine, not politics, not terrorism, and certainly not the evil one. Nothing, nothing will break what I am establishing here in my ecclesia. Gentlemen, ladies, boys and girls, teenagers, we, we are the fulfillment of that promise. Because here we sit today, 2,000 years later, and he was right. Because there's been a lot of things in our world that have tried to break the ecclesia, have tried to tear it down, to destroy it, to eliminate it from existence. And nothing, including the gates of hell, can do it. We are the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus Christ in building his church. But here's the thing. It's not because we've built beautiful, amazing fortresses like this. It's not because we have raised up unbelievable preachers and teachers and leaders. It's not because we've orchestrated these amazing organizational systems. It's not because we've learned enough. It's not because we've taught enough. It's not because we've lived perfectly enough. It's not because we've been better. It's not because of anything else other than one thing. Relationship. One word. Relationship. The gathering together, the assembling together of the body of Christ, the common that we have with one another. That is what has withstood everything else that the world has thrown at us in an effort to destroy what Jesus established. So do not kid yourself into thinking that if we do this or we do that or we build this or we go here or we pay this, that you will be a part of helping sustain the promise of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago because you're not. One thing. Jesus said, I only need one thing. I need my people to be together. And nothing will break the spirit of my people 
together. The gathering together, the assembling together in community, in relationship with one another. That's what I believe Jesus established 2,000 years ago. So I ask you the question, who is my church? I want you to look around the room for just a minute. No, seriously. Look around the room. I got all the time in the world. Look around the room. I want you to look around the room. Who is your church? Who is your gathering? Who is your assembling? Who is your community? For some of you, it's easy. You can point at them and you can walk over there and you could unload all kinds of junk on them and they will love you. Praise God for that. For some of you, you're thinking, maybe that person. I think that person. That person. And there may be a couple of us sitting in here that you're really uncertain. I don't know. I don't know who my gathering is. I don't know who my community really is. I don't know who my together is supposed to be with. Guys, that's got to stop. I don't want you to think it's your fault. It's not. It's not your fault. And it's not this place's fault either. Here's the thing. We live in a world, we live in a culture today that desperately wants to isolate us from one another. We want to create this self-serve concept. You don't have to talk to a single person when you go to the grocery store if you don't want to anymore. You can put gas in your car and you never even have to look at another human being. You can pay just about every bill and purchase almost anything that you need in life and you never have to speak a word to somebody. You can watch new release movies and you don't even have to leave your living room. And one of the fastest growing trends in this country, more and more men and women in this country do not even have to leave their homes to go to their jobs anymore. We are quickly becoming a culture that is isolating ourselves from one another, and it is completely and totally counter to what Jesus Christ called us to be in community with one another, to be gathered with one another, to be assembled with one another, to be his ecclesia. We've got to make a change. We've got to push back against culture. Because here's the thing, as beautiful and wonderful as the body of Christ gathering together on a Sunday morning is at 8 and 1040, you can't have gathering together. You can't have togetherness with a thousand people. It's simply not possible. It's not what Jesus was talking about. You can't have it with 500 people. It's simply impossible. It's not what Jesus was talking about. You can't have it with 200 or 100 or 50. You can barely have it when you get to 20 or 25 people. The gathering together that I believe Jesus was talking about was small groups. A few families coming together, neighbors coming together, co-workers coming together. 
Here's the thing. This is not what Jesus was talking about. What he was talking about was the couples coming together and sitting in the living room and crying with one another because they just found out that one of them was diagnosed with cancer. That's ecclesia. Or some other couples coming together and gathering around the kitchen table and sitting there as they listen to another one of their couple friends talk about the fact that marital infidelity has crept in and they don't know what they're going to do with their marriage. That's community. Or a group of guys go to a restaurant and five hours later they walk out and their friend is going to go to rehab because he's going to, de- he's, he's going to defeat alcoholism. That's gathering together. Or a group of older people, empty nesters, on their way in retirement, recognize the fact that their adult children are struggling with a a, a deceitful, sin-filled lie of a life. And they're desperate for help. And they make a few phone calls, and ecclesia happens. That's the church. That's community. That's living life together. That's sharing life together. That's being drawn together with the common. The common that we've talked about this morning. The bond that we have through Jesus Christ. You can't do it in this room. Stop trying. Stop coming into this building, staring at the back of a head, leaving as quickly as you can, going about your week and coming back and doing the same cycle over again and then wondering, why in the world do I feel unfulfilled? Why am I feeling alone? Why am I isolated? Because you're not experiencing ecclesia the way Jesus Christ called us to. This is Corporate Church in America, 2013. Again, let me stop and say this. I love this. This is beautiful. I want it to be bigger. I want it to be greater. But understand what it is and understand what it's not. We've been called to be in relationship with one another in a very, very special way. Sharing life. Living in community. Existing together. That's church. I got a few points I want to leave you with this morning. The first is this. We were made to be in relationship with one another. As I said, we were created to be in relationship. From the moment in the garden when God looked and said, "Mm, that's not good enough. We were made to be in relationship with one another. In 1 John 4, we're told that, that God is love. That God exists within us. Therefore, we are love. We were created to experience God's love and then to share God's love. Because we're also told God's love is only made complete when we love others. So the fulfillment of God's love, the fulfillment of who God is within each of us, only comes to fruition when you love someone else. That only happens in community. That only happens when you share life with one another. Guys, it's simply not enough to just love God. we got to love each other. Point number two, we need to be together. We need to be together. A couple reasons why. Being together provides perspective. Proverbs 14 says this, there's a way in which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. 
Being together provides perspective. When you are alone, your perception is your reality. You've all heard that. But when you are together, perception is just opinion. The importance of being with other people. Being together provides encouragement, Hebrews 3. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encouragement comes when you are together. And third, being together provides security, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one. Because when the other one's there, they're there, they got your back. Being together provides perspective and encouragement and security. That's number two. We need to be together. Number three, we must live in community. In order for us to fulfill the relational purpose that God has created us for, we must recognize the fact that we have to share life together. We have to be with one another. You cannot just come to this place and sit here and leave and consider yourself a part of this place. You're just, it's not good enough. And it's not because it's my desire. It's not a matter of whether I think it's right or wrong. It's not what Jesus has called us to be. We must live in community. We must be in each other's homes. We must be in restaurants with one another. We must be going and playing and living and laughing and sharing and crying and holding one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another, serving others alongside one another. We must be living in community together. That's ecclesia. To have that true, authentic community... I think there's a couple elements that must be in place. The first is this. You must have commitment. You must have commitment and dedication to community. If you're really serious about living your life with other people, if you're really serious about coming together and being ecclesia, experiencing a connecting point group, And you've got to be committed to it. But it's not just a time thing. Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Commitment means you're going to get messy with one another. You're going to experience some really ugly stuff. And you're going to be willing to do a lot of things that are uncomfortable for you because you're willing to walk with one another because you're committed to one another. Because families and communities come together and they're committed to one another. It's not an hourly commitment. One and a half hours a week, I go to a small group. That's not commitment. Commitment is willing to go to the next level. The second thing is this. You must have grace. Within any community, if you are going to have true, authentic community, you've got to have commitment, but you've got to have grace. Ephesians chapter 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. There are some people, they're the extra grace required people. You know what I'm talking about? For those of you that don't, it might be you. There's some people, they need some extra love. That's what community does for one another. Community grabs a hold of people and loves them, even even when it's hard sometimes to love them and forgives them when they need forgiveness. 
You must have commitment. You must have grace. And the third thing is, if you're going to have true, authentic, real community, you must have boldness. Listen to Proverbs 27, 5. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. This is a tough one. But it's a desperately needed element within our plan, within this community of faith at Greenville Oaks, to take our relationships to the next level. We've got to be willing to be bold with one another. We've got to be willing to say what we don't want to say because we're afraid it might hurt. And to love when it's really uncomfortable to love. We've got to be willing to be courageous as we sit there and as we listen to things and as we share things and as we speak things and as we do things with one another that may push us out of our comfort zones. Or at the same time, you're going to encroach upon someone else and create anxiety within them. But if you're doing it within the spirit of Christ, that boldness and that courage is essential to having authentic community with one another. You must have commitment, you must have grace, and you must have boldness if we are going to be what God, through Jesus Christ, has called us to be. All right. Over the next couple of weeks, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about this idea of connecting points. I want to challenge this church to begin gathering together in smaller groups. It's going to look very different than it's been in the past. We're going to look for every single person that is a part of this family here at Greenville Oaks to find that point, that point where you connect. You connect with other people. Every single person in this church needs to be connected. None of us need to be alone. Church, you you saw the kids. They got it. They understand what it means to not be alone. Why do we struggle with it? Why are we afraid of it? We're afraid of relationships. We're afraid to open ourselves up, to let our guard down, to be who we are because we're uncertain about the community. We're uncertain what it means to be connected to one another. Commitment, grace, and boldness. That's what we're going to speak into our groups as they come together and we begin forming connecting points all over this church. They look They sound, they taste, they smell. They're all going to be different. But every single one of us is going to have an opportunity to be connected with one another. That's my dream. Because I believe we must have this relational peace in place if we're ever going to be the church, the ecclesia that Jesus Christ wants us to be. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking more at relationship and looking more at connecting points. Hope you'll come back and be a part of it. Pray with me, please. Father God, I, uh, I thank you so much for the beautiful gift of relationship.